Welcome back. This is Jim Cimbala, Senior Pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle. We are going to continue my new series, The Calling, a podcast for Christian leaders. Growing up, I loved to play basketball. Played in the playgrounds of Brooklyn, New York City. Went to the largest high school in America at that time, Erasmus Hall High School, 7,800 students, long time ago. Great basketball teams. That's what I aspire to. So I made the team, played, went on to play in college, played in the NCAA tournament. So basketball and basketball teams and what I knew a lot about. You know what I found? And I've extrapolated that to the ministry. And of course, it's so prominent in scripture. There are great players who the team plays better without. Listen, great talent, but the team is better off without them because they cause division. They're called guys who are bad in the locker room. Ah, causing strife, the coach doesn't play me enough. I don't like that play. I was a point guard and captain of the, most of the teams I played on, so I would somehow, sometimes in the huddle, have to get up in the grill, which was hard, at six, they were 6'9", and say, hey, what's with this? Are we gonna play together or are we not gonna play? Because if we don't play together, we're gonna lose. Why? Because teams that are divided don't have unity. You gotta work together. You gotta work together. We learn this in a very interesting passage for spiritual application in Mark 3. The teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem, Mark 3, said, He's possessed by Beelzebub, the prince of demons. By the prince of demons, he's driving out demons. So Jesus called them over to him, and he began to speak to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand, his end has come. You know, that was the speech that made Abraham Lincoln so famous, called House Divided Against Itself, because he maintained in the late 1850s, early, right around 1860, listen, America's gonna be the all slave or all free, but it won't be half slave, half free the way it is now. Why? Because any house divided against itself cannot stand. No kingdom can stand divided. And he, the only president who belonged to no denomination, but who learned so much about the Bible during his presidency, he became famous for quoting Jesus. It's called the house divided against itself speech. Pastors, let me tell you something I've learned from scripture and from experience. You wanna be on a treadmill? You wanna just pray and prepare sermons, but go nowhere? Then just have a divided church. Gossip, division, young against old, old against young, racial tension, families at each other. Just, you can pray, you can preach, you can do anything, but the Holy Spirit is so grieved by division that the church is just weak. Fundamentally, it has to be weak because anything divided is weak. That's the law. Spiritual lesson number one, divided things are weak. Divided things ultimately will crash and fall. So Jesus gave this teaching when he could have said, do you know who I am? What are you talking about? I'm in collusion with the Prince of Beelzebub. Do you know how I was born? Do you know where I was like a million years ago in heaven? No, he didn't even claim his divine rights as his basis of argument. What he did was he said, think what you're saying. I'm in league with Satan, but I'm casting out demons. Do you think Satan's that dumb to be divided? You think he would be that stupid to be divided? No, then his house would come down. He's way too clever for that. 
division. Oh, my goodness. What a killer. You know, pastors, preachers have the highest rate of heart attacks, I'm told, of any profession. You don't think that comes by finding three points in a conclusion or getting a sermon for Mother's Day. Stop. That's No, that's not the reason. It's the pressure of division, strife, trying to keep everyone happy. Oh, families are leaving. They're taking their tithes with them and their money. Oh, oh, yep. I once talked to a minister who was grossly, grossly overweight, and he told me, listen, Jim, I was not even in the ministry, but he told me once as a little aside, he said, you know what my problem is? When I see division and strife, I get tension I get pressure inside, and I don't turn to the bottle or to Oxycontin. I turn to Butterfingers, candy bars, or whatever his thing was. Ate himself almost to death. That's what division does. It brings stress, pressure. Let's talk about that, because so few ministers, I think, and so few churches practice the confrontation of divisive people. You know, if someone's doing drugs, if someone's into human trafficking... If someone's living in immorality, hopefully people would say, yo, no, you can't do that. That's not part of Christianity. You might have made up your own religion, but that's not part of biblical Christianity. But people who cause division, sometimes they're serving the communion. They're in positions of leadership, but they're eating your lunch. But pastors, what am I going to do? Well, we have to be brave. Listen to what the scripture says in Romans chapter 16. Verse 17, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them. Keep away from them. What? That's in the Bible? I thought God is, I'm okay, you're okay. No, it's not exactly like that. There are some people who are just into bad business. Listen to this one. Paul says, warn a divisive person, this is Titus 3, warn a divisive person once, and then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. You may be sure that such people are warped and sinful. They are self-condemned. You know what holds back churches? Alcohol has pulled some people down, or substance abuse. Immorality has slain its thousands. The lure of money doing funny things with the church finances. That's nailed a few people. But division? Oh, my goodness. Most churches are held back by texting, phone calls. What did she think she did? Why did he sing the solo? Come on, leaders, pastors, you know that's true. And you know you can't sweep it under the rug. It's going to bite you. It's going to bite us. We have to confront that in a godly, wise way and preach sermons about it so that people know what the scripture says about divisive people. What wisdom we need and discernment on how to solve these problems. But we have to preach messages where people realize, endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. You can't teach racial reconciliation. You can't teach, oh, let's all join hands and sing a song of unity. It's got to be the unity of the capital S, Holy Spirit. We've got to invite them in to melt us together, glue us together, so we stand as one, and we have grace with one another, and we see each other's faults and don't jump down someone's throat. Imagine to have a divided choir, and how could my wife lead them and the Lord use them if they're all fussing and fighting? Listen, you can fool the folks. You can't fool the Holy Spirit. Or a divided pastoral staff. 
where everyone's, hi, how you doing? Good to see you, Pastor. And then, deadly. Trust me, it's deadly. Listen to the word of God. Oh, Psalm 133, verse 1. How beautiful it is when God's people dwell together in unity. That's the best. That's when the team operates at the highest level. That's when every day is a beautiful day. I've told our own pastoral staff, look, if you have something against me or I've gotten out of line, come in my office. The door's always open. Let's talk it through, pray it through. I'm, I'm willing to stand corrected. But if you think I'm going to get up and preach, when I look over and know that two of you got it in for me and we're not talking, no way, no way. Couldn't do one sermon. What a joke before God. And this is why in churches like that, the spirit is not felt prominently his manifest presence is absent because he looks down and goes, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing down there fussing and fighting where Jesus prayed, Father, that they might be one even as we are one. Think of all the detriment and weakness comes by denominationalist spirit, denominationalism. I'm not rooting for you. Why? Because you're not part of my group. That's nuts, isn't it? When I first went in the ministry, that's what I was taken back by. I would travel and say to someone, you know, I was just down in Argentina or in the Philippines, and you should see what God is doing there. I was just in Chicago, and they would go, whatever their denomination was, I don't want to name any. Why are you telling me this? They're not one of us. One of us. What they meant was, they're not in our group, our brand. We only root for our brand. Come on, how about rooting for all the brands? Rooting for everyone because to God there are no brands, there are no denominations. There's just one church, Uno Iglesia, one church, and we're all in it. Come on, let's get our arms around each other in prayer. And let's start to preach the love of God in such a way that the Holy Spirit in all of our ministries is going to bring unity and peace in the midst of our congregation. God bless you. Let it be so. 